Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. From the book of Genesis, the chapter is 18, the verses are 1 through 15. Abraham promised a son. <clears throat> Other headings to include Abraham and Sarah have name changes, Abraham's deference, Sarah's laughter, and catching the character of God or the, the evolution of spiritual maturity. The text reads, Genesis 18, 1 through 15. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abram hurried into the tents to Sarah and said, Quickly make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, <clears throat> Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for... She was afraid, and he said, No, but you did laugh. Blessed be the hearers, the readers, and those who follow God's holy and divine word. Yes, God changed the name of Abram to Abraham. <clears throat> Abram means exalted father, or my, my father is exalted, <clears throat> Father God. Abraham means father of a multitude. Note Genesis 17 and verse 5. God told the patriarch he would be fruitful. Kings and nations would be among his descendants. Changing a name is important. Uh, what we call one another matters. It denotes our relationships. However, 
More important than the name change, God made a pact, a covenant with Abraham. At the same time Yahweh changed the name of Abraham, he changed the name of Abraham's wife. She had been Sarai. But from the moment God made a covenant with Abraham and his family, her name became Sarah. Both of her names mean something like princess. God repeated, repeated the promise he had made with Abraham to Sarah. For her part, she was to be the mother to nations and kings. Abraham was, <clears throat> was 75 years old when God initially promised to make from him a great nation in Genesis 12, verses 2 through 4. After 10 years passed and he was still childless, Sarai, as we recall, took matters into her own hands and gave her maid Hagar to Abram as wife. Note uh, Genesis 16 and 3. Although Ishmael was born to Abram and Hagar, verse 15, he was not the son of promise. Another son would have that honor, Isaac. This is made clear by the Lord's declaration. In Isaac your seed shall be called. That's uh, chapter 21, verse 12. Also noted Romans 9 and verse 7 and Hebrews 11 and verse 18. Before Isaac's birth, when Abram was 99, God renewed the covenant. He declared, I am Almighty God, Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. Again, Genesis 17, 1 through 4. Besides identifying circumstances as the sign of the covenant, verse 10, as we noted, God changed the name of Abram and Sarai to Abraham and Sarah, verses 5 and 15. He then said of Sarah, And I will bless her, and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her, verse 16. After Abraham questioned God and proposed Ishmael as the one to fulfill the promise, verses 17 and 18, God responded, No, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him, verse 19. So, what do we have? There's no doubt about it. Abraham and Sarah were going to have a son of their own. <clears throat> While waiting for this miraculous event, Abraham continued to be the overseer of many herds in a, a nomadic lifestyle. And no duty is more important in nomadic life in Canaan than being hospitable. While Abraham and Sarah were living near the oak trees, the terebinth of Mamre, 
Genesis 13 and verse 18 uh, is the first notation of this particular area. Uh, when talking about Abraham moving his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar there to the Lord. In the text that we have for today, three strangers appeared to Abraham during the heat of the day. Abraham was reclining in the shade uh, amidst the grove of trees in proximity to life-sustaining water. Uh, this was no doubt during the uh, hottest part of the day when most would try to find shade uh, in this uh, semi-arid land. So when Abraham saw them, he immediately ran out to greet them and putting his face downward as was the custom. He begged them to pause for a time with Sarah and himself. They were in need of food and drink. The family of Abraham would provide for their guests. As the narrative unfolds, it becomes clear one of the men is a manifestation of the divine. The guests of Abraham were no less than agents from heaven. Abraham called one of them Lord, verse 18.3. But as the conversation unfolds, the leader is identified as Lord Yahweh, verse 13 and 14. They are called three men in verse 2, but they seem to appear out of nowhere. Abraham asks no question about their place of origin or their mission. It was enough for him that they were strangers in need of support. Abraham, in his developed spiritual maturity, had learned a valuable lesson, and that is to value others. He specifically modeled a mind of selfless servitude, recognition and deference to the divine. Note Hebrews 13, verse 2. Do not forget to entertain strangers for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Abraham's response is entirely hospitable. During the heat of the day, a time of rest, Abraham was quick to put the needs of others first. He demonstrated respect, fellowship, and peace. He was the perfect host. Note the uh, verbs used here. Verse 2, he looked, again, ran, bowed. He requests to please. He hurries quickly, hastened, verse 6. He gives, he set it before them, verse 8. He is attentive, he stood by, note again verse 8, while they ate, he stood near under a tree. This was a posture of a servant standing just 
far enough away from guests to avoid the appearance of intrusion, yet close enough to be summoned to meet their needs. Abraham and Sarah provided an extravagant feast with extraordinary preparation and attentive service. The scene is quite dramatic and communicates the imperative of responsible leadership in God's kingdom. Abraham held back nothing of himself or of his capital means in the hospitality he extended. This is a lesson for us today. As we pass through the travails of tornadoes, disease, and for many an accompanying poverty of the spirit, to what extent are we extending ourselves in the service of others? Fellowship and hospitality are extremely important for us today. We are challenged to find creative ways to engage and serve one another as we find ourselves hunkered down, isolated, and many times alone. Christians, we must find safe ways to bring the fellowship of Christ to one another as we are charged to do, to teach, serve, and model his demonstrated charitable sacrifice for others. Practical faith requires Christian charity that we should choose to do for others. Note Isaiah 58 and 7. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Or Matthew 25, verses 34 and 35. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Paul declared in Romans twelve thirteen. Christians should be given to hospitality. Peter also wrote in 1 Peter 4 and verse 9, Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As these three strangers uh, were eating and uh, enjoying the hospitality of Abraham, sitting in the shade of the terebinth trees by the creek, and they were talking, and during the casual talk accompanying this visit, one of the three men, the leader, asked Abraham, Where is Sarah, your wife? It was a surprising question and intimated a, a foreknowledge of uh, Abraham's family. Sarah's doubts about bearing a son in her old age meant the trio had a special message for her. Abraham may have been startled, but he answered the question and said, Here in the tent, the divine promise 
to intervene. Verse 10. Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. When Sarah heard the part about her bearing a child, she laughed within herself. When Isaac was born, in fact, Sarah gave the child born to Abraham and herself the name Laughter. Note Genesis 21 and 6. She had remembered that she laughed hidden in the tent when she overheard the prophecy given by the Lord. Not only had God chosen Abraham, not only did Abraham believe God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, chapter 15 and verse 6, the birth of Isaac was an extraordinary event. Sarah had no cause to laugh given the testimony. God did what he pleased and continues to do so today. God's pleasure was for a child to be born. In Genesis 18 and verse 14, the Lord, Yahweh, asked the rhetorical question, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Absolutely nothing is too hard for the Lord. Note Jeremiah 32 and verse 17. Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. When called on about her laughter, Sarah was embarrassed. She denied she had laughed, but she could not get away with the demonstrated lack of faith. In due time, the child was born to the couple and he was to grow to maturity and form a transition to the birth of Jacob and his 12 sons. Sarah had indeed initially laughed when she heard the promise, Genesis 18, 12. Abraham did the same thing on an earlier occasion, chapter 17, verse 17. Despite these reactions, the two came to trust God, and there's the heart of the matter, trusting God. Hebrews 11 and verse 12 described the result of this trust. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. God's promises are always true. Even if they seem hard to believe, we must trust and obey. Trust is an immutable prerequisite for faith. It is the rock on which we can build our testimony, our hope in Jesus Christ. That's the lesson I have for you. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father of our fathers, Father, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Thank you, Father, for being our God of heaven and earth, our God who, who sits high and, and looks low, our God who, 
is always present, all-powerful, all-knowing. Our God, whose arm is not too short to accomplish his plan for humankind. Our God, who loves his children to the depths of sending his only begotten Son to walk on the earth, fellowship and teach, model and testify to your greatness and to fulfill your mission of redemptive love by sacrificing himself on that old rugged cross for the totality of man's sin. Thank you, Father. We come with petitions on our heart to pray for the sick, the shut-in, the homeless, the poor in spirit, those who are near and those who are far off. We ask that all within the sound of my voice and their extended families be be blessed with continued grace and mercy, your forgiveness and unmatched love. It is in the name of truth, Jesus Christ, we offer up this prayer and ask it all. Amen. Thank you for listening, saints. I pray that there was something said that was edifying and uplifting for your daily walk. Next week's lesson is titled Sodom and Gomorrah, and the text will be taken from Genesis 18, 12 through 29. Again, next week's lesson Genesis 18, 12 through 29. Again, thanks for listening. Stay safe. Until next time, bye for now.